Welcome back to our study of the Gospel of Luke here on the Listener's Commentary. In this recording, we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 59, wrapping up Luke 12. And we just need to make sure we keep the overall context in mind. So the topic of this specific section, verses 49 through 59, is really the crisis of choice that Jesus brought and still brings, and then the division that that uh, choice causes or creates. But it's set in the context of Jesus teaching his disciples and speaking to a large crowd. Uh, That teaching is set in the context uh, of growing hostility towards Jesus. You can see that in chapter 12, verse 1, and we really haven't broken that up. We have one long flow of thought through all of chapter 12, dealing with various topics, but it's the same setting. Jesus speaking to this large crowd, specifically focusing on his disciples, and he's talked about being faithful to him and confessing him before people, even in the face of opposition and possibly death. He's talked about seeking first God's kingdom and trusting him to provide for your life and to really secure your life. He's he's called them to be faithful servants, ready and watching and waiting for the master when he returns. Well, here in 49 through 59, he offers a clear call that really is a crisis of choice. Are you with me or are you against me? Are you for Jesus or against Jesus? And if you say, I'm for him, it won't be easy because it'll it'll really bring division between you and those who are against him. And that may even mean your own family. Some of them may not be with Jesus. And thus, if you choose to be with Jesus, it may drive a wedge between you and your own family. And that's the topic here in this section, that Jesus really calls us to this crisis of choice. Are you going to be faithful to Jesus? Are you going to follow him? Are you going to recognize who he is and what that means? And if so, just recognize that often brings division, even within families. Now, the structure of this section is uh, involves two passages about division surrounding a passage about discerning the signs of the times. So verses 49 through 53 is about division, even within families, for following Jesus. Verses 57 through 59, that's about division. And it's about uh, division on the way to judgment and the need to reconcile. And in the middle of those two, Jesus challenges them on why they can forecast the weather, but they They can't even see what's going on around them in and through the person of Jesus. And and so all of this is aimed at saying, look, you you need to make a choice and make things right with God in and through Jesus, because that's where God's work is now happening. So you need to make things right with the Lord in and through Jesus before the crisis of judgment actually hits. So with that by way of intro, let's jump into the details. Here's the way this passage unfolds. Verses 49 and following is that first little section that revolves around division. He says this in verse 49, I have come to cast fire upon the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Uh, Fire is consistently a picture of God's presence in scripture and oftentimes a picture of God's both purifying presence and judging presence. It's, it's God is in, in, the, in the form of fire, really like refining, getting rid of the, the bad, the old, the, the chaff, 
and purifying his people by a process of cleansing judgment. That's really what we have going on here. And Jesus is like, I've come to bring this kind of fire upon the earth. How I wish it were already kindled. But, verse 50, I have a baptism to undergo and, and how distressed I am until it's accomplished. And Jesus frequently used this uh, imagery of baptism. He's already had a literal baptism way back at the beginning of Luke, right? But he'll use this uh, this word baptism figuratively several times in his uh, speaking and teaching to refer to his suffering and his death. And so he's got another kind of baptism to undergo, and that kind of baptism is a suffering baptism, a baptism that's going to ultimately lead to his death. And he knows it's coming, and so he says, I'm I'm so distressed until it's accomplished because he knows it's going to be horrific. It's going to be awful. It weighs upon him even as he's on his way to Jerusalem. That's the, the section of Luke we're in, this travel narrative where he's heading towards Jerusalem. And he knows what's coming when he gets there. So it's weighing on him until it's all accomplished. And so he goes on now with this imagery of, I've, got, I've, I've come to bring this fire, this refining, purifying, judging fire of God's presence to the world. First, I've got to go through my suffering and death. He goes on and talks about the division and the tension that that is going to bring and that his ministry is bringing and will continue to bring. Do you think that I came to provide peace on earth? Jesus asked. No, I tell you, but rather division. So I didn't come to bring peace harmony between people and relationships, I actually came to bring division. Verse 52, for from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That following Jesus and being faithful to him is going to often lead to division in the most important um, family structures, right? Like to the most important social unit of Jesus' day in our day, that it's going to bring division at these key places, even within families. And in fact, these words that Jesus has here is a quote from Micah chapter 7, verse 6. And Jesus is clearly echoing Micah's situation and Micah's message there in Micah chapter 6 and Micah chapter 7. Micah 6 is um, God's case against Israel for her unfaithfulness. So uh, Micah chapter 6 is set up like this, you know, courtroom scene where God is bringing his case against Israel because of her unfaithfulness to his covenant with her. And it's a clear warning of judgment and judgment that's going to come in the form of decimation and destruction of Jerusalem and of Israel itself. So that's that's what you get in Micah chapter 6. In Micah chapter 7, you have a lament of Jerusalem's demise, a lament of Israel's demise. Um, and that lament is seems to be from Micah himself. It may be from the, the faithful citizens of Israel mourning and lamenting her demise. In that context, Micah says that the day of God's visitation has come, and the people, instead of turning to God, are turning on each other. You can't even trust your closest family members, Micah says, because people are so against God and his ways that if you try to be faithful to God, they'll turn on you and turn against you. That's Micah's message in Micah chapter 6 and chapter 7. Well, guess what? Jesus really here is saying the exact same thing. Israel is suffering the same fate 
that they did 600 years earlier in Micah's day. Uh, in Jesus' day, once again, it's the day of God's visitation. Uh, he has sent his son to speak to them and to call them to repentance. And once again, the people are so unfaithful, they don't even recognize it. And judgment, once again, is coming. This time, it's not the Babylonians coming, but the Romans. And the same division uh, that was present in Micah's day is present in Jesus' day. You can't even trust the, the own members of your household because Jesus is uh, creating this crisis of choice that's driving a wedge, even within family. So the day of God's visitation has arrived in the person of Jesus. He is bringing the fire of God's judgment on the nation. The prerequisite to that is his suffering and ultimate vindication that will happen in Jerusalem not long in the future. And that will lead to division and hostility, even within families, even within family groups. Well, this leads then Jesus to call them out for failing to recognize who he is and what's going on, just like the prophets of old, just like the prophet Micah and others of his day tried to call the people to repentance because God was visiting them in the prophets. Well, the same is true now in the person of Jesus. God has come to his people, and they don't recognize what's going on. So Jesus says in verse 54, and he was saying to the crowds, whenever you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, ah, a shower is coming. And so as you could see a cloud coming off the Mediterranean Sea in the west and beginning to build and move inland, you realize, oh man, we're getting a little storm off the sea. It's, it's going to rain. They could recognize that. And so it turns out. Or verse 55, whenever you feel a south wind blowing, you say, oh, it's going to be hot today. And it turns out that way. So that example, you get uh, a south wind coming out of the desert, the Negev, and it's like, oh, man, it's going to be a hot day today. And guess what? It is. Jesus says in verse 56, you hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky. You can forecast the weather, right? You can see this cloud coming off the Mediterranean. Now oh, we're going to get a shower. You can feel the hot wind coming out of the Negev. Oh, it's going to be a hot day. Um, you know how to analyze the appearance of the sky and the earth, but how is it that you don't know how to analyze the present time? You don't know how to uh, discern what's really going on right in your own presence in the person of Jesus. That's the point he's making. Well, then he goes on and he, he wraps back around to what appears to be an illustration about division and a picture of people's need to reconcile to God, make things right with God, and return to him as their faithful people. That's what seems to be going on here in verses 57 through 59. He says, and why do you not even judge by yourselves what is right? Like, Why don't you why don't you figure out what for yourself is the right thing to do? You can analyze the weather, you can tell the forecast the weather, but you can't even figure out what's going on in your own day to judge what's right for. He explains, verse 58, when you are going with your accuser to appear before the magistrate on the way, make an effort to settle with him so that he doesn't drag you before the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out of there until you've paid the very last lepton, the very last little cent, the last little penny, we would say. Um, now, verses 57 through 58 could be advice for relationships. Jesus uses that same teaching, um, presumably, it seems like, in Matthew as advice for relationships. It's in a totally different context in Matthew, uh, and Jesus seems to be using it that way for uh, advice for relationships. But here, 
it seems more likely that it's an illustration pertaining to his present point about uh, the visitation of God and judgment and the division that's going to cause, right? Um, otherwise, if it's if it's not about that, otherwise it's completely random. It doesn't really fit, and it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And so it seems to be that in context, this is like a little mini parable, a mini parable about uh, that's really saying, wouldn't it make sense to do everything you could to reconcile with your accuser outside of court to avoid prison and penalties? That's literally what it's about. So he says, think about the present time this way. Judge for yourself what is right, verse 57, and make every effort to sort things out and make things right with God and with Jesus and with those who are following Jesus. Like, get right with God and reconcile to God who is visiting you in Jesus before it's too late. And so it seems to me that the message of this whole section is really this. Uh, the day of God's visitation has come in the person of Jesus. And the Jews don't even recognize it. They're so skilled at, you know, telling the for forecasting the weather, but they don't even recognize that God is visiting them in the person of Jesus because they're so unfaithful to him. They're so caught up in themselves and their own understanding things and what they want things to be. Um, they have and they are rejecting their God and judgment is coming. And the appeal for them is to open their eyes, to see what's going on, and to repent and return to God. That seems to be the point, which really will lead into the very next section in chapter 13 that's an explicit call to repentance. And so how, how do we respond then to this section? Just a few thoughts by way of ref reflection to wrap up this section. Both then and now, Jesus presents a crisis of choice. Uh, are you for him? Or are you against him? And people's choice leads to tension. It leads to division and to hostility, even within families. Uh, that, that tension shows up in uh, people trying to follow the way of Jesus and those who are opposed to Jesus and who prefer the darkness over the light. Right? Like They're like, don't act that way around me. Don't do that here. We like the dark. We're trying to do things in the dark over here, and it creates tension. It creates conflict, even within families. But if God came in the person of Jesus, and if he's coming again for a final day of visitation and an ultimate day of judgment, then it really does us well to look that square in the face and say, am I faithfully preparing for that day? Am I faithfully serving my Lord and being busy about his will? Am I ready? Which is really the message at the heart of all of chapter 12. You read the whole chapter and everything Jesus taught on this occasion to his disciples in the presence of these crowds, and it's really about being a faithful servant and faithfully following Jesus in the face of opposition, in the face even of death, confessing him before people, um, not getting caught up in uh, the pursuit of wealth and trying to build bigger and bigger barns, but seeking first his kingdom, being a servant who is ready and watching when the Lord returns. Blessed is that servant, Jesus says. And so are you with him or against him? Are you for him or against him? And if you're for him, don't be surprised if that leads to tension, division, hostility, even in your closest relationships, because not everybody is going to be for Jesus.